Be'ez Hashem, Parshas Emar. We know that this week, in Parshas Emar, we have all the Yomim Toivim. All the Yomim Toivim, as we go through the Jewish calendar, the Luach, we see all the Yomim Toivim, that the Torah this week goes through one by one, giving us the various halachas of the Parsha, Chilol Hashem, Kiddush Hashem. There's a tremendous amount in this week's Parsha. I want to focus this year, Be'ez Hashem, and one very small Nakuda, which I think is very applicable in uh, our times being Sphira Sa'oyme, leading up to Kabbalah Satoya, to Shavuos. And of course, we can't ignore what's going on around us in the world. And I want to focus on the Pasuk that deals right after Shavuos, in between Shavuos and Rosh Hashanah. It's in Perek of Gimel, Pasuk of Beis. The Torah says like this, and we're in the middle of discussing the Yontav of Shavuos. We've done Svira Soimeh, now it's Shavuos. Over Kurtzchem es Ktsir Artzachem, Loisachale, Paas Sodcha. Make sure that you don't, you know, forget to take off the corner. Bekutzurecha, Veleket Ktsircha, Loisalakid, Looni, Velager, Tazova, Yisomani, Hashem, Alekechem. So over here we have the obligation. That a person must remember at all times, he must never forget to leave over the corner of his field for the Aniyim, for the poor people. He's got to make sure to leave it over. And it's interesting, the placement of this particular Pasuk and this particular Mitzvah. Why is it that this discussion is number one in the middle of the Yomim Taivim? And number two, why is it bang smack over here in the middle? And in fact, it's not even my question. Rashi HaKadosh asks the Kasha. And Rashi says, and I'll quote you the Loshan in Perik, again, Chav Gimel, Posuk Chav Beis. We know this already. Omer Rav Avdimi, Berev Yosef. Maro HaKosav Litma Be'em Tzavagolim. Says Rashi, quoting Rav Avdimi, Berev Yosef. Why is the Torah putting this specific commandment, right here, in the middle of the Yom Tovim? And as Rashi points out and specifies very, very clearly, Pesach v'atzeres mikan, Rosh Hashanah v'yom ha-kippurim v'chag mikan. So you've got like, it's sandwiched in between all the yomim toivim. Here is this, 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 this tzivoy, this mitzvah, which we know already, but a reminder that remember when you go along and reap your field and you plow everything and you start taking all the produce that you've been working so hard to make sure that it grew in the correct way, make sure you remember the Aniyim. But why now? It's a beautiful mitzvah, and we'll do it. But why specifically now? So I saw that Baruch Hashem, many of the Achorinim uh, are dealing with this, the Kliyaka has his Mahalach. We're going to say something which pretty much is on the lines of the Meshach And he explains like this. First of all, before we mention that, we have to understand that this, um, the mitzvah of Svira Sa'ima that we're in right now, as we know, is a hakdama to the Yontav of Shvuas, the way the Chinuch explains it in Mitzvah Shinvov. We've explained this previously, as we're counting our days in anticipation for Kabbalah Satorah. We're re accepting the Torah again. It's Kabbalah, Baruch Hashem, we had Purim not that long ago, we still remember it. And now we've got a Shvuas which we're building up, Be'ez Hashem, to be Makabal the Torah again. So that's the Chinuch's Mahalach. The Sfarna over here, the Avudram, the Radak, many, they have a different Mahalach into the Mitzvah of Svirah Sa'ima. 
And they explain a very interesting insight that the success of the entire year's produce is dependent on these weeks right now. In other words, the weeks of Sphira Sa'oyimah says the Sforno, the Abu Dram, the Radak, all it bear Loshan. This is what's dependent the entire year depends right now on the weather, on the, on the, on the result of the agriculture, everything. Which means that the days of Sphira Sa'oyimah are days of tefillah. They're days of our davening for our success in our field, which means we have what to eat. Because at the end of the day, Bisman Torah, Bisman Chazal, if you didn't work the field, you starved and you died. There was nothing to eat. Therefore, explain these Mepharshim, that Sphira Sa'oyimah was the beginning, was the, was the base for the whole year. And therefore, a person was very careful during this time to daven and make sure that everything worked out well. According to this, I think we can explain why specifically the idea of making sure that we've left over something for the Aniyim is right now. And I think basically along the lines of the Meshachachmer again, you look at the Kliyaka again, there's a different Mahalach, but at least the, the Meshachachmer seems to say this idea that at the time that we're worrying about our own Parnassah, which is right now, the time of Svir Sa'oyimah, the time of Shavuos, people are busy in the fields, it was the time of the Ketzira, it was the time of the gathering, it was the reaping, it was the time that they got all of the produce that they had worked so hard. Specifically at this time, it is so crucial, and that's what the Torah is reminding us, it's tremendously crucial that we consider other people. And we consider the poor people, the ones that are less fortunate than ourselves. There's a Gemara, in Baba Kama, where the Gemara tells us a famous Yisoyed that if a person davens for a specific thing for somebody else and he himself needs this item, says the Gemara in Baba Kama, the, the Rabbani Shalomim will give it to the person davening before the person he davened for. Like Rashi says in Parshas Re'eh, in Posigud Aleph, in Perik Tazayim, the Rabbani Shalomim says, if you look after my children, I'll look after you. And that is a tremendous, tremendous insight. Next week, Be'ez HaShem, we're going to be talking Parshas Bahar. And although Parshas Bahar carries with it a tremendous amount of lessons on its own, I want to mention one idea that's negated to what we're saying right now. In Parshas Bahar, we know it's full of the mitzvah of Shemitah. Mitzvah of Shemitah, the seventh year, it's coming up in Mitzvah Shem. I think it's around another year. We're very looking forward over here in Eretz Yisrael. We can't work the land. We can't eat certain things. We have to know how to, you know, look after the peels and the pits and everything like it is. Very interesting. I don't know how many people notice, but in the middle of talking about Shemitah, the Torah is telling us all the dinim and the halachas and all the inyanim of Shemitah. All of a sudden it tells us the halachas and the psukim go on to explain how to be careful not to cheat in business. Be very careful. You do business, you do it honestly. Don't cheat in business. And then the Torah continues again, talking about Shemitah. What's going on? What, what, what's Pshat? You know, what, what, why is there an interruption? And the answer is very simple. The same idea again with what we're saying. Before you turn to the Rabbi Shlonim, which is what the Torah says by Shemitah. By Shemitah, the Rabbi Shlonim says in Parshas Bahar, people are going to say, what am I going to eat? What's going to happen? I can't work my field. I'm stuck. I'm not going to eat anything. One second. Torah is telling before you ask what you're going to eat, 
Have you made sure that everyone else is looked after? Have you made sure that you're honest in business? Have you made sure that you haven't cheated somebody else out of their panosa? Because that is an incredible thing. They say a story of two families that were running for safety during the Holocaust. And in the midst of all the confusion, what was going on over there, we can't understand it. Two families. One was carrying a baby boy and the other one was carrying a baby girl. And they ran in different directions. After they had parted, they realized to their horror that the babies had actually been switched. Now, they believed there was no question about it. They would never see each other again. But there was an unspoken agreement that was basically made between them, which they never spoke out. You take care of my child. I'll take care of yours. That's the Rabboni Shalolam's master plan. And in fact, that story ended in an incredible way that each boy and girl eventually met and they found out where the E came from. It was an incredible thing. And that's what's going on in this week's parasha. What's going on in this week's parasha is the Rabboni Shalolam is telling us a Gavaldagiya site. It's Yontif, it's Yosvira Sa'oimeh, it's Shvuas, it's a time that people are in their fields, people are busy with Parnassa. Before you, before you do that, have you thought about somebody else? And I really, you know, when I was thinking about the parish of this week, you know, we're living in a generation, we're living in times now where I think everyone is affected and everyone's having a difficult time. I was speaking last night to someone in Chutzloritz who had, as he told me, he had four directions for his Parnassa. You know, he was, he was studying, whatever, he had four directions for his Parnassa. He said, all of them have been wiped out. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? People are suffering. People, are, people don't know where to turn. What's going to be? What's going to happen? I think there's a message in this week's parasha to all of us. There's a tremendous message in this week's parasha, and that is, if you want to make sure that you are looked after by the Rabbi Nishalaylam, look after other people. Think about other people. Be sensitive about other people. There's no question that in Svira Sa'omer, that is exactly how Ravoy does. The Gemara tells us in Yuvamas Tamachtalad that the reason that Tamidi Rabbi Kiva died during these days, of which we are, you know, customary doing various things of Abedus, of music and Hasanism and Chekats and whatever it is, is because they died. Why did they die? Shaloi Nogu, Kovad whatever that means, on their level. But what it means to us, and that's why Chazal tell us so clearly why they died, is that our job during these times is to fix that up. Our job at these times is to be more sensitive to somebody else's needs, to think about what somebody else needs. And that is how, as the Torah is telling us over here in this week's parasha, we will be looked after. People are looking for scholars. How can I get my business back? I myself have spoken to so many people that are, are, that are suffering and they say, I don't know what's going to be with my business. What's going to happen? People don't know. People are looking. Give me any Eitzah. What can I do? I think this week's parasha tells us the Eitzah. The Chavetz Chaim in Avas Chesed writes that Chesed, when we do something for someone else, is almost like a life insurance. It's almost like a life insurance which helps not only us, but also our families and also future generations. They say, Gavaldigamaisa to this. A Gavaldigamaisa that took place in a small Hungarian town a few decades before World War II. The townspeople employed a Rebbe in order to teach their children Torah. They weren't able to, t- they weren't able to pay him, they didn't have any money. But what they were able to do was to provide him with some food. So every single day, these families took turns. Each day was a different family. And they provided him with meals as in return for teaching their children, their sons, Torah. After many years, the Rebbe's 
uh, wife died, his children moved away, and he was left alone. He wasn't able to teach anymore. He went through a little bit of a depression. And he was replaced. They brought in a new, younger, fresh blood Rebbe. He'll be the one to teach our future generation. All those that have brought meals to the old Rebbe, obviously they turn their attention to the new Rebbe, right? Because he's teaching our children, so we've got to feed him. We can't pay him, but we'll feed him. There was only one woman that decided, and she was compelled to continue her support and feeding this man who had taught her children so well many years ago. And for the next five years, until the end of this Rebbe's life, she repeated the daily climb up this heavy staircase to his very small apartment on the top floor of the apartment building, and she brought him his lunch and his supper every single day for five years. Time passed, and as the war quickly crushed the small Jewish community that was there, The woman was saved from witnessing the worst of destruction. She died of natural causes. And most of the townspeople were herded away to their deaths. But this woman's grandchildren somehow found help. They were led to a very small apartment where a brave Goyesha woman risked her life to hide them behind the false wall that she built for them. She provided them with meals every single day. And she managed to get what they needed in order that they wouldn't have to go out and attract any attention. Her apartment sustained raids that they went in, searches. Her fugitives were never discovered. When they emerged from hiding, finally, and the war was over, the children learned that they, they, the person that they stayed in, in that house, had once belonged not to this Goyesha woman and not to her parents, but a different tenant. It was the old Rebbe that their grandmother had fed day in and day out. The same stairs that this Goyesha woman climbed, bearing their provisions, what they needed to live, their own grandmother did the same thing that decades later was repaid with their own children. That's an incredible thing. When we do something for someone else, the Rabbi Nishalolam never forgets it. He looks after us like we look after other people. Tell you, Amorit Kamaisa, the Rachma Sifka Rebbe, the Rachman Sifka Rebbe comes from, as we know, the Chernobyl Ber Hasidim, comes from the Balchemtov. One of the Rachman Sifka Rebbe's um, ancestors possessed the most incredible handmade carved sukkah boards. The most incredible thing, they were made specially for him. And the walls of the sukkah weren't just regular walls of the sukkah. These were beautiful, not only in color and in design, but they actually had engraved within them Many Kabbalistic Alpikabola psukim, names of Hashem, different designs that were Alpikabola. It was incredible, all Alpizoya. Most people didn't understand what they were, but it was beautiful. And it was passed down from generation to generation until eventually it came into the possession of the Racham Sifka Rebbe. Now there came, there came a time where the Rebbe decided he's going to Eretz Yisrael, and which was a long journey on the boat for many, many weeks, many, many months. And to everyone's amazement, he took the boards with him. He couldn't leave these boards. He came to Eretz Yisrael, he arrived here, and the Arab workers at the, uh, at the dock, by the, by the ships, couldn't believe it. Somebody's bringing with wooden boards, it makes no sense. But after all, the rabbi knew what they represented, he knew what they were. People used to come year after year to the rabbi's house, just to sit in the sukkah, even though they didn't understand what it was, but just they understood the representation. And it was incredible. Every single year they used to be there. One year, the sukkah disappears. One year, it disappears. Mysteriously. Nobody had any idea what was going on. No idea. 
plain boards, regular normal sukkah boards, replaced the Choshevah uh, sukkah, sukkah boards, and no one knew why. Ten years later, there was a chasna in Yerushalayim. The father of the chasna gets up at the chasna to speak, and he reveals the secret of the sukkah. And he says, I want to tell the Oilam Rabbi Sai, ten years before, this boy, who's now 13, who's now 20s, whatever it is, however old it was at the time, but years earlier, there was an epidemic that was raging through the city. At the same time, World War I was raging throughout the continent. Turkey, which ruled Eretz at the time, confiscated all the wood that was used for fuel in its war effort. There was not a stick of wood to be found anywhere in the country. We were totally stuck. But I had a problem. My son, this Hassan, was very, very sick. Very, very sick. And the doctor said there is only one treatment that could be possibly helpful for him. And that is bathing him in very warm water. But there's no wood. I can't make a fire. It's impossible. There's nothing I can do. He went to the Rachman Sifka Rebbe for help. What should I do? Without any hesitation, the Rebbe took these hand-carved boards of his sukkah that he has, has had in his possession for many generations. And he gave them away. He said, here, here's the fuel for your son's bathwater. That's why my son is standing here today under the chuppah and the sukkah found its true purpose. When we do chesed, we have no idea what could come out of it. The kavayosha, the heilige kavayosha brings the most incredible but scary thing. He brings a maisa from the balach that the Arizal once stayed in the house of a Yid. And after leaving, he asked the host, what can I do for you? Tell me, you were so good for me. You put me up, you fed me. It was incredible. Tell me, what can I do for you? So he said, when I was first married, we were blessed with children. Baruch Hashem, we had a few children. And all of a sudden, we became infertile. We weren't able to have children. It's been years and years. We weren't Zoycha to have another child. We don't understand why. But maybe you can give us a bracha. And the Arizal said, I'll tell you what happens. I don't need to give you a bracha, I'll just tell you. Listen to this, it's so scary, it's so subtle, but it's so important. He said, you had a ladder on the side of your house. And that ladder, there were chickens that were hurrying around in your house. They used to run around and they used this bucket to get to the water that was stuck at the top of the roof of your apartment. One day, your wife instructed the maid to remove the ladder. Now, her intention was nothing. Just to remove the ladder is in the way of getting people past, whatever. But from that day onwards, the chickens weren't able to have the water. They weren't able to go out there. And because you caused tsar to them, the Rabbi Islam didn't give you any children. Straight away, they put the ladder back, and automatically they had children. Says the Kavayosha, how scary of a maisa that is. But says the Kavayosha, how careful we have to be in our actions to somebody else. So means on their level that there was some kind of pagam in the cover they gave to somebody else that was an insensitivity. That's what we're looking to replace. That's what we're looking to make sure during these days of Sphira Sa'ima, we're trying to see what can we do for somebody else. I told you this story, but I think it's so beautiful. I still remember it. I don't think it will ever go away. It was a simple story, but it was so gewaldic. I remember a yid knocks on my door on a Friday night. It was the middle of the meal. It was, it was a big storm outside. And he asked me the following question. He says to me, the electricity went out. 
and the uh, Jewish, unfortunately, Chashmal Electric Company came in and they fixed the electricity on Shabbos. I want to know if we can use the electricity, if we can use the hot plate, we can use the, the, the lights, the air conditioning, the heating, whatever it was. Can we use anything? A Jew switched it on. I said, I don't understand. I have a big question. Because you yourself called me with this question on Erev Shabbos. You called me Erev Shabbos and you said, well, there's a situation, there's a storm, you can see what's going on. We don't know what's going to be. If the electric company come and they switch it on, are we allowed to use it? And without going into the details of the Shaila, I told him what the sack was. Why are you coming now? Why are you coming now? You had to walk up the Sarotskin stairs. You had to walk up my, my building stairs. In the middle of the meal, it's freezing, it's raining, it's storming. What, what are you doing? He said, I'll be honest with you. There's a lady who lives by herself, an Almona. And she lives by herself in the building. And as soon as it happened, she came running over to me. She wasn't sure. What's the halacha? And I remember asking you, but I told her, you know what? I'm going to go right now and ask the Shaila for you. And she was so happy. And I just wanted to ask you again, so I'm going to go back to her and I'm going to tell her what the Pesach was. And it hit me that here is someone that understood what it means, the sensitivity of somebody else. And it's something that I think the Torah is telling us in this week's parasha. I want to tell you a Misa which somebody told me, which I don't know if it's become a, one of these Misas that are, as they say now is viral. I don't know. Somebody said it to me. I don't know if it's printed. I think they said they read it somewhere in some magazine. But for me, it was a tremendous Kiddush. Tremendous Kiddush. There were two brothers in America, that owned an iPad business. They owned an iPad business. And um, what their job was, basically, was to provide iPads for um, businesses that were making meetings, and everyone needed an iPad in order to get the graphs and the, the statistics, whatever it is that they were showing, and that was very, very important. So that's what they did. They had stocks and stocks and stocks of iPads, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands of iPads that they rented to different companies for board meetings, for traveling, whatever it may be. Coronavirus came. COVID-19 arrived. Businesses closed down in America. These brothers who had invested an absolute fortune in these iPads had a warehouse full of iPads with nothing what to do with them, with, with, with something in the bank, you know, that they had to pay everyone back. They didn't know what to do. Their next move was incredible. They called all that stocker commitments. You know, people have commitments. They give a monthly thing to this stocker. They give a monthly thing to that stocker, whatever it can be. Right? That's what they do. They give, they give a monthly thing. So they called dead stockers, and they said, listen, we're going through a situation right now. We don't know what's going to be. We don't know what's going to happen with the business. But I'm telling you now, don't stop our monthly donation. Not only don't stop the donation, I want you to double our donation. That's an incredible thing. Right? They had no idea where this panos is going to come from. Businesses are closed. They have no idea when they're going to reopen. They've got a huge debt in the bank to pay everyone back with nothing coming in. And they just doubled their donation to every stocker they ever did. And you know what happened after that? A few weeks after that, something called Zoom that we're using right now. That the entire world, probably the biggest space of Medrash in the world right now is through Zoom. There's no question about it. And all of a sudden, almost every school in America was turning to this company to go and get these iPads. And every iPad was being used. And obviously they charged a little bit less, but they had to charge something and it made their money. And they got what they got. And then that shows an incredible thing. We're living in a time where people are worried about themselves, their pranosa, what's going to be, this, that. The Torah is telling us right over here in Parshas Emma, 
if you look after everyone else, if you make sure and take care of the Rabbani Shalom's children, those people that are less fortunate than you, that are not so lucky, then the Rabbani Shalom Midah Keneged Midah will always look after you. And that's the lesson of Parshas Emma, and that I think is the lesson of this week's parasha, and we should try to internalize this specifically now. During Sphira Sa'imah, when we're stuck in our homes with Corona, there's not much we can do, but we can. We can think, and we can machazak ourselves in the sensitivity to somebody else, to think about someone else. Not always to think of ourselves. I know we've been sort of stuck in our own sort of bubble for the last few weeks and maybe even months, but now's the time coming where things are slowly opening up, people are going out, people are socializing, it's happening. Now's the time, more than ever, to really drill in this idea of sensitivity to someone else, to think about someone else, to think about someone else's feelings, to think about someone else's, where they're holding and what they need. And by doing that, the Rabboni Shem is telling us that Be'ezah Hashem, He will give us all bracha in all of our lives.